What's up? Welcome back to season three of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today is the team. What's up? We got Janelle Wheeler from hey, everybody. our new location. <laughs> I'm visiting my parents and I'm picking up the puppy. Oh man, you got big things happening. Well, Very excited. Yeah. Glad you stopped and had They're time. They're both for us vaccinated, today. also. Both of my parents are vaccinated. So. All right. Let's clap it up for that. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's getting shots. There's shots. <laughs> there's puppies. I mean, you got good stuff going on in your world. Nice. Oh, yeah. Matthew <laughs> is back with us again, as usual. Yeah. What's up, everybody? I don't have any cool stories this year. <laughs> We're you not picking cool. up a dog, and I am not vaccinated yet. That there is. You go. That is untrue. You have cool comic stories to tell us that we're going to break down today. So, oh, look at you. Yeah, there we go. You're here. I mean, so Matt's going to break down some new comics. We got some good comics to talk about today. DC has launched a new Joker series. Marvel's put out a new X-Men series, kind of, and we're going to talk about all of that. Kofi already wants to talk about it. You can, yeah, you can tell I, from the hesitation. I am, I am really chomping at the bit to get this. I put it in the show notes. We have to have time to talk about this, so... Let's get to it because up first, we are going to talk about WandaVision. The ending of WandaVision is now here. So we are going to reflect on was WandaVision a good show? That is the question in front of us. We are going to break that down. Plus the preview of what's coming in phase four of the MCU. Everything from the Falcon and Winter Soldier to discussions about Black Widow, Spider-Man, all that stuff. Plus, we also got to look at the latest previews for both Falcon and Winter Soldier and Zack Snyder's Justice League. We got a ton of new clues from the new kind of TV ads and trailers that we're going to discuss here. And as Matt said, we got to break down these new comics, plus talk about some things going on in TV and movies uh, coming to America's out and The Walking Dead is back. And we're going to real quick touch on all of that. But uh, let's get up front to what everybody came for. The main event was WandaVision a good show. <laughs> Guys, it's over now. The fan theories are over. We've seen the payoff. Thank How are you guys feeling? Janelle, let's start with you ladies first. Okay. <laughs> was WandaVision a good show for you? Was that a good experience? Yes. As a whole, I am I'm in love with this show. I'm I'm still just tickled by the sitcom. Going back, I'm rewatching it with my mom right now. And going back for a second watch through, like complete watch through is actually brilliant. It's great. Uh, so I, I feel really good about it still. I will, I have to admit this, like during the finale, I was screaming constantly like, Dr. Strange swoops in, Dr. Strange swoops in. Here he comes, Dr. Strange is coming, Dr. Strange is in. Like the whole time so I was just screaming, waiting for Dr. Strange to come in and help Vision or to help the kids or to show up, you know, with the dark hold or something. But once I got past that and I rewatched the finale again, and I wasn't trying to look for every possible suggestion of Doctor Strange, uh, I actually really enjoyed it. it. I thought it, they did a beautiful job of putting a bow on the show. I wouldn't say it was like the best episode in the in the entire series, but I would say I'm satisfied with it. Hey, okay, Matt, how you feeling, buddy? Um, because you were a little bit more skeptical on this whole thing. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start with positive first. I love, <laughs> I love everything they did with the Scarlet Witch side of the character, the costume, the explaining chaos magic, all that stuff. Right. That stuff is cool, and they did a great job. And the suit looks awesome, and I love that there's more explanation or powers there. That's good. But as we know, the show has been, and it has, and if you are. If you say anything negative about the show, the, the thing you hear first is, well, it's a story about grief. 
It's a story about grief, Matt. Why don't you understand the story about grief? <laughs> and my thing is, if we're taking that as the through line through this whole season, then this episode did not deliver on that premise. It's It leaves one that is not really the focus of much of this episode and the parts that are are interesting, but then it gives no consequences, really. I mean, I don't know. As someone like a lot of people who have dealt with grief and also just like, you know, dealt with things in your life you wish you could have back right and like all those kinds of things and regret, the character leaves. And oh, by the way, we should say spoilers. I don't know if we actually said that oh, yet. Gosh, so spoilers. I'm about to get into like very spoiler territory. So let yeah. me put that out there. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> um, for as a, a character that's supposed to like, all these consequences are supposed to pop up. She leaves with almost nothing. She leaves with bad looks. I'm sorry, you controlled an entire town and made them bend to your will. And as we see, it had a profound effect on them. Agatha even points it out. And then we're supposed to feel sorry for you because you leave with some bad looks from people. I get bad looks walking through, well, not Kmart anymore because that's not around, but like, <laughs> like Walmart, <laughs> like whatever. I'm sorry. That does not sit well with me. And by the way, I love Monica, but that line, they don't know what they've, what you've sacrificed for them. What a joke. That's really, they're supposed to feel grateful to you for this. Like this is your fault. And I understand where it comes from. But you need to deal with that. Like that that needs to be something you deal with, not just, oh, I go off and I live in my little cabin in the woods. Like to me, there was no. And then you see the other dude in handcuffs. I'm like, someone should have said, we kind of need to take you in, even if they don't get to or she leaves. That needs to kind of be done. Like the, there was so many things I was just about that particular aspect of this show, which has been what it has been hailed for. So for to drop the ball like that to me was that was disappointing. You know, I the other stuff is great. The MCU-ishness of everything else is great. But if that's your main focus to not deliver on that and to make the the consequences seem not consequential, uh that's a little that's a little off the ball for me. So I didn't I didn't love that. Wow, I didn't expect you to be that deep. That was a, that was a, that was a lot more deep than I was prepared to deal with. Okay, um, let's unpack. Because the commenters, there's a lot of commenters on your side right now. I mean, they're they're pointing out everything you said about Wanda not being arrested, not having consequences. Other people are not cool with how the ultimate play out with the finale or with the family went. Um, some people are really kind of upset about the Billy and Tommy and how they just put them to bed and kind of left them to do that. That I kind of get as a parent because that's kind of how I would handle it. I wouldn't want to tell. If I saw like, a, I always, me and my wife, because we're morose, have that conversation. Like if there was like a nuclear blast and we got the alert, like what would you do and how would you handle it? And be like, yeah, I just want the kids to like be at peace and normal. And, you know, I deal with the heavy stuff. I get that part. But yeah, it, it Brandon Davis has been out doing some digging for us on this, and he's dug up some interesting things about the show from director Matt Shackman. And one of them is confirming like, yeah, there were supposed to be 10 episodes to this, right? That got changed probably because of COVID. And mm -hmm. there was supposed to be another episode to this. So it feels, and there are, there's a lot of this going around the entertainment industry, and we're going to continue to experience this. Um, I know like the undoing, that big series, the undoing from last year was the same way. Uh, the endings of things are truncated because of COVID and it feels like they just had to kind of Did they actually confirm it's because of COVID? I thought it was because um, they the pacing, they figured out that yeah. they needed to keep it moving. 
uh, I don't know. I never trust what Marvel says. <laughs> like, I think they say like they had control over something, but when just to cover if they don't. But anyway, whatever the reason is, whether it's COVID or pacing, I mean, the decision was wrong by most mm-hmm. people's standards, right? Like there needed to be a little bit more. This seemed like a good penultimate episode with a fight and all that, but they're, but attacked on epilogue, whereas we needed to kind of deal more with, you know, yeah. Why doesn't want to get arrested? Like where the hell is white vision? Like in the aftermath of all this and kind of this kind of, kind of all that. Um, Instead, we got the usual Marvel post-credit scenes that kind of just tacked on and set up Doctor Strange 2 with uh, Wanda, you know, going through the dark hold and learning chaos magic and hearing something, her, you know, her son's call out to her. Um, huh, I think when I look back on the series and I've started to rewatch as well, I like a lot of the deeper pain and, and meaning behind the sitcom episodes and, and that fake reality especially after episode eight, just going back to episode one and seeing her kind of greeting vision and having this 1950s thing, you know what it's about. And, and that, that impact is there. But I also agree with Matt in the sense that I'm in between you both, I think, because I think when you also watch the series overall and you get out of the sitcom stuff and you just get to the actual present action of what's happening here, first of all, not a lot happens in this show. Our fan theories gave this like way more propulsion than was Ugh. actually going on in this show. Don't get me started. <laughs> um, I mean, it was just like this bubble world. Agatha was the obvious agitator. Sword was trying to get in. And we just, the only reason they got in is so that Monica could have this kind of like, you know, just as Machina kind of superpower transformation. And then it's just like, there is no resolution. Like Wanda was sad. Wanda decides she's going to get her stuff together or does she, because we don't know what she's going to do with this dark hold. We don't know that she's, she says she's like a hero for like a minute in this finale. She's like, I am hero. I stop now. And then she kind of like, but we don't know that this is going to a heroic place. Right. I mean, Dr. Strange is called in the multiverse of madness. She's messing around with a dark hold and chaos magic and has already freaked out once. So there doesn't look like there is much resolution to this other than her kind of, ultimate goodbye to vision which doesn't have to last long because they'll be back right and billy and tommy will probably be back and and are back by the end so yeah and there are a lot of just weird things i think that were kind of underdeveloped from the sword side of things um the aerospace engineer wasn't intentional that you know that that got crazy somebody started putting it in people's heads that reed richards was coming don't know who. <laughs> Brandon. Davis. Yeah. Um, Brandon Davis. let's call him b davis no that's too obvious <laughs> brandon d all right so um some people's kind of got people rolling on all of that but um yeah i, I mean overall there wasn't that much that actually happened here except for a very long drawn out and ultimately obvious mystery um but weirdly enough i think and i wrote a thing that's called nobody read it thanks guys but it's called uh wandavision like it it, it's been fun don't be disappointed and the whole premise of that was i think what this show did was arrive at a weird time i did read that kofi thank you matt um and thank you and basically it arrived at this time and it's just one of those cases where I think if this was released any other time than it had been, it may not have been as popular. But I think the themes of just grief and isolation and retreating into these bubble worlds and and all of the fan theories and letting our imaginations go nuts, like it arrived at exactly a time when we really needed that. We mm-hmm. needed to get back into something like Marvel escapism. 
We needed something that kind of echoed our experiences of being in quarantine and losing people or losing just aspects of our life that we kind of had to sacrifice last year. I mean, it was just a timing thing. And I think that the fun outweighs the ultimate kind of shallowness of the show because I loved coming on here every week and freaking out about theories and writing about Mephisto and Chukufalu and, you know, every (laughs) other demon under the sun and doing that. And I think that stuff's important. I think it was important for us to kind of dip our toes in and and get back into that practice. So I'm not that mad at you. Um, Now that we have seen this, though, I want to move the kind of the goalpost of questions. Is it time to restart reset some of our expectations for how this plays into the next phase of movies and TV shows. Cause I'm going to tell you, I'm not so sure about the Spider-Man thing anymore. Like I'm not so sure that what we've seen is, you know, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield and all this stuff is actually Spider-Man. I'm beginning to wonder if some of this stuff, because we now know for sure that like Dr. Strange two is filming over in the UK as well. And is this part of that? Could that be part of that? Because it doesn't seem like there's a lot of a uh, lot of groundwork underneath us for there to be a Spider-Man movie about him having some kind of weird multiverse freak out now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a beautiful point is like now we can't get our hopes up on anything. I really personally, I learned my lesson big time in prediction <laughs> because this is the first time I was with you guys on a live podcast, like predicting Marvel stuff. I didn't get to do that with you guys because I started, you know, about a year and a half ago with you guys and then the world shut down. Um, And this was my first time really getting on and, you know, giving my theories and really like reading the comic books and analyzing and trying so hard to just be like the first person that's actually guessing where it's going. I've learned my lesson. (laughs) I was completely proven wrong. And I, more than anything, like I don't, I hope that I didn't contribute to people getting their hopes up the way that I got my own hopes up because I was so excited for a few things that I thought for sure were happening and they did not. So I think that's a great call. I am not going to be surprised if anything doesn't happen and I will not be surprised if things do happen at this point. (laughs) Good job, guys. You taught me something. <laughs> I'm talking to Marvel. <laughs> Sounds like they broke you. They broke yeah, me a, yeah, little, a little bit. Yeah, I'm a little and, broken. And, and that's I'm going okay, back to though, comic but, books. But like, you're one, every, we're all a little wanted, Janelle. <laughs> and also, can we just like some of the things you were talking about were things like everyone assumed. Like Doctor Strange was one we were talking about. You know how like anti theory I've been during this I show. Know. But even that was like, no, no, he's got to show up. Like it makes <laughs> the most sense. And he didn't. Like that was everybody. So like don't feel bad. And also it, don't let it diminish. It, it's still interestingly fun. It's enough, bad. Matt Jackman uh addressed that. Brandon Davis did talk to him about that. And he kind of alluded to something along the lines of you know, this is how the cookie crumbled. Like, you know, things fall out. You know, you can't always blah, blah, blah. Basically saying it sounded like there could have been an attempt to make that happen. Okay. But the logistics of it didn't work out. And he's kind of the biggest one hanging his head like, Ugh. like <laughs> we can get like the most obvious person in here. I heard Chuckman talking about the bunny too. The bunny was supposed to be something of significance, but it didn't pan out in the writing and stuff. So they, did you guys hear about this? Like originally the bunny was going to be like a, a demon, not 
the demon we thought, but a demon in general. And uh, he was going to have this like metamorphosis in, from the bunny to the demon. And he was going to be protecting a spell book. And the kids were going to, you know, take the dark hold and run away in a Stranger Things esque, like the Goonies type sequence. And yeah, anybody um, got time or money for that? You know, they they had it, but they they, well, they got money. All that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they cut it off. Yeah, they got the money. <laughs> <laughs> they cut it all. So uh, thankfully, like that, they did lead us on with the bunny. At least I do know that. Like they didn't mean to, but they they unfortunately did. So yeah. <laughs> also, what I would just say, I do want to, I do want to address a comment that I saw flip by quickly in here. I will say, it's always the MCU has always taken uh, the concepts from the comics. And done their own little twist on them from the very beginning. That said, this show still had, because I saw something in there that comic fans don't know any more than just someone coming in. That's not true. Because there's like nine things in this show that are pulled directly from the comics and storyline. So you have an idea of where things came from in context. It's just that they're going to typically take a different route towards the end to get wherever they want to go. They cherry pick from like numerous stories. In every movie and now every show. But that doesn't mean like there's not still value there. Like, let's not go, again, let's not go one extreme or the other. I swear, nuance is lost. <laughs> it's like, there's no middle ground anymore. It's either one or the other. It's it's all balance. It's a little bit of both. All right, there you go. That's our feelings today. Yeah, I know. Those are feelings <laughs> on WandaVision. Is there any theories that you guys think we had that could still pan out? I am not, I'm actually not off board with our villain theories. I mean, I think Mephesto or some demon is going to still be involved in this. I also think Immortus will be ex behind explaining why Sword was so weird and why Hayward's firing bullets at kids by this last episode. Um, and that's going to all tie back later. But I just don't think this series opened the door to it quite yet. And it didn't need to. Um, all right. Let's talk a little bit about. Thank you, Nicholas. He agreed. With me. Thank you, Nicholas. <laughs> Nicholas. <laughs> all right. He comes close by. All right. I, there you go. I didn't see who said the comment. All I saw was a go by. And I was like, okay, good job. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. People are already kind of, now that we've kind of been fed some more Marvel content, people want more content, you know? So, more content. Latest TV spot for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's, it was pretty funny, actually. I like this one, but it was like Anthony Mackie. They're talking about this new kind of group of like, I don't know what to call them, hijackers, raiders, marauders, whatever they are. Uh, the people with the masks with the handprints on them. And Anthony and Mackie alludes to the fact that they're kind of really brutal and that they're strong. And he kind of says, you know, too strong, dot, 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 over this footage of them, you know, doing all kinds of Steve Rogers-esque stuff. And it was our biggest suggestion in the series yet that at somehow there's some other form of super soldier or enhancement formula at play and all this, which kind of was a keystone for me because it got me thinking and I was like, oh, so now I'm on to new theories. No, no. You want to come <laughs> with me? No. <laughs> I want to hear them. I don't know okay. if I'm with you, but listen, I want to hear them. <laughs> listen, we're going to take a break, pay some bills, and then we're, we're not stopping, guys. We're going right from this ad break from WandaVision theories into Falcon Winter Soldier theories. There's no more stoppage. We're keeping this train going. So stay tuned with us. We're coming back. Falcon Winter Soldier, Zack Snyder's Justice League, coming to America, new DC Marvel books. We're talking we're about coming it. coming to America. 
Okay, thanks for hanging with us. Like I said, we are wasting no time. We got done with WandaVision theories. We are going right into Falcon and Winter Soldier theories. Series arrives next Friday. Newest TV spot drops the kind of hint that what Falcon and Winter Soldier are actually tra tracking down is this group with the mask and the handprint because there is some kind of super soldier serum or new enhancement serum involved in all this. Um, my big theory about this was doing some research. We were kind of discussing at comic book yesterday about, you know, what does this mean and why is this important is that there are several kind of key tiebacks to Marvel comics about how this new, what this new super serum soldier serum could be, what the entire kind of legacy of the serum is and how this, and how this show could explore that. Uh, first of all, you know, the super soldier serum since Steve Rogers and Marvel comics history, has had many attempts to replicate it by different countries, um, including the US, which did many different things that seemed to be baked into Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, everything from the kind of truth, red, white, and black about how after World War II, they tried to experiment on black soldiers to make a new Captain America and, and ended up doing some really dark things because of that, where Anthony Mackie says like the shield has a complicated history and all that, and about him taking it up. You know, variations of the super soldier serum were used to make Luke Cage and that's a great way to kind of tie back to bringing Luke Cage back. They were also used by Black Widow program. And that's and this may be one of the reasons why Falcon and Winter Soldier has to come before Black Widow. Why there has to be an order to this. Because it's going to introduce the idea that there is more of this serum out there being played with. And Black Widow will kind of take up that same storyline. But the biggest thing we kind of landed on was Anti-Cap. Matt, you, wanna, you remember Anti-Cap? Yes. <laughs> yeah, not, not Marvel Comics proudest moment, but it may have given us something we can use, right? So in the anti-cap was a U.S. naval intelligence officer who got this patch called AVX, which gave a version of the super soldier serum that kind of gave this temporary boost in powers, but it was kind of like crack. You couldn't stop taking it or you died. And so this boosted him and he became anti-cap and kind of was like a pain in the butt for Steve <laughs> Rogers and, you know, and for fans everywhere. But the point is that this could be an easy way that they kind of explore it in this series, right? Like these new hijackers are using something like this patch to give themselves boosts of power to pull off these robberies. It's a great way to kind of tie Sam and Bucky into something for why they would be fighting for, you know, Sam is protecting Cap's legacy. Bucky's been on the other end of experiments to make super soldiers and knows how bad this can go. Um, it would bring back in Zemo who knows all this stuff. And it, it, and it would also explain John Walker, U.S. agent, who could be revealed to be also using some kind of gnarly process to be a fake as Captain America, right? That's the one that, that rings like most true with that theory to me is that that's how he is able to have Matt, it. Are you co-signing my theory, Matt? I'm saying <laughs> if, if I were to, which I'm not, <laughs> if I were to, that's a pretty good theory. That's, that's pretty good. But I'm not. I'm not. I'm not on that bus. I'm just staying right here. <laughs> Stay in my little hole. The Matt Cave. As the we Matt have cave. established oh, what Matt it cave. is. The Matt Cave. I'm staying right here. I'll just watch it. That's well, you I'm can like do that. Watcher. You can do that. I'm going full theory. I'm saying Falcon and Winter Soldiers bringing back Super Soldier Serum. It's going to give us Black Widow stuff. It's going to explain U.S. Agent. But I'm also going to say I'm opening the door to my boy Luke Cage coming in back. Because that, oh, patch, man. That, oh. AVX, that AVX patch was developed from the Luke Cage process, which was a Super Soldier variant. All right. Falcon what Winter if we Soldier get Sentry? Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. 
you're now you're just being silly and trying to just play with my emotions. I mean, technically, <laughs> technically, if we want to get, you know, yes, whatever. It's Marvel Century. I mean, Century reboot. Marvel needs some Superman. of that. Just saying. Yeah, there was. All right. I'm not doing it. I'm not touching Janelle, it. are you hearing all this and is your head already hurting for My more? head feels like it's going to explode, but I was tasked. I have a huge uh, Winter Soldier lead up comic that I'm currently starting. Uh, so I'll be, I'm going to be ready, guys. I'm going to just, I'm going to get over the WandaVision terrible predictions. And I'm going to just, I'm going to try again. They weren't terrible. Bruce Wayne 25. You don't have to doubt. We're going to go all in on this. If it doesn't pan out, we're still going to have fun talking about it. We got to. Yeah, we got like, what, seven or eight weeks before we have to face reality? That's enough time for me. All right. So moving right along from that, we're going to be on, you know, we're going to be on Falcon and Winter Soldier. Hopping over to DC. We got new character trailers for Zack Snyder's Justice League this week. And I think more so than anything, these have gotten me the most excited to see this. Uh, because I think these were the most effective at showing you, yeah, like, yeah, there's a much different movie inside of this. And taking it, in, in no matter what you feel about it, your favorite character got a, got a trailer to shine in. And they were all really well produced and done and super duper cool. Um, which one was your favorite? Uh, let's see. I'm going to have to go out and say, I kind of like the Flash one the best myself. <gasps> Me too. I think, and I think it was because I, I mean, we didn't really Josh Whedon. It's it's just so obvious now that Josh Whedon's cut of Justice League really just screwed the Flash and Cyborg like the most uh, in terms of their story, how deep it is, and the setup for their individual films. And so, I, I feel like this is the most interesting. And I and Snyder's depiction of Barry Allen's powers is pretty interesting. And it was I was less see comical. More of that. Yeah, yeah, like I felt like he was just a big joke in the original one. So it was nice to see him kind of like his, it felt more serious and more dire. Uh, and the stakes, like him grabbing uh, Spider Man's spider thing. <laughs> what is it called? Like that moment, he just, uh, it, it seemed more dramatic than like funny. And I liked that. Uh, and then also I felt like, I'm not sure I didn't check the actual timestamps on these, but I feel like some were longer than others. And so the ones obviously that were longer had more story to tell. And that helped me understand their character better. Like obviously we're very familiar with certain characters, but I'm so glad they went deep with him and Cyborg. Like I felt like Cyborg yeah. had a moment oh, as cyborgs. well. Cyborgs, yeah, Cyborgs. I mean, Cyborg's got me in the chest, but for real life reasons, right? Like that was a very meta trailer. And yeah. Zack Snyder really sent that one out as a love letter to Ray Fisher. And, you know, just to say like, here you go. Like, this is what oh. you've been talking about. Like, yeah, that was a much deeper Cyborg role. And I am psyched to see the Cyborg story in this the way like it was intended. Well, that's my um, favorite trailer is Cyborg. Yeah. Oh, now you speak up. Oh well, no! I mean, I was well. I was waiting. I was letting you guys talk. You guys were, you know, riffing. It's all good or whatever, right? So I was just saying, like, Cyborg was my fit. Was was my favorite part of the original Justice League. Like his his moments. A lot of his moments were so human, and I thought it was like Ray Fisher had a wonderful performance as him. And then honestly, there needed to be. I won't say more of it, but there just needed to be like different, a different focus in that movie because obviously it was going 900 directions. So like to have him be more of a through line and, and to have certain things focused on more would have been great. So that, that is like the one aspect. I'm glad that he is getting his 
spotlight because even in the small trailer we get a lot of new footage or footage that wasn't in the original um and that voiceover stuff was was great so i mean yeah i mean that that would be the one that sticks out also as a runner-up i will say uh steppenwolf does look better oh my gosh yeah yeah oh no the apocalypse yeah i was gonna say the apocalypse side is i'm loving it and the actor who's doing dark side is doing a great job i love how dark side doesn't sound like every arch villain he actually sounds intelligent and like the dark side voice is cool yeah, i don't like yeah. the design but the dark side voice is cool but step i mean looks the looks design like looks like dark side i mean it looks like it was like uh you know well, i was gonna say that i don't need to say that but uh, <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> i'm not gonna go there um but i steppenwolf looks like a legit powerful like when he's facing in that wonder i think it's wonder woman's trailer where you see him yes like that fool she goes on the attack yeah Yeah. like that part looks cool like that looks dude no the scene with him and the amazons which was like one of my favorite standouts of the actual weed and cut um looks 10 times better in this like and like hippolyta and yeah they look like they go at it with him and like he's a legit threat that he kills like all the amazons um so yeah this is gonna be wild man uh i won't want to flex or anything but uh you know these are starting to come out people are starting to see the snyder cut press is starting to do its thing so i think we're gonna be up on this uh pretty soon and you know sooner than next friday so we can't tell you guys anything but uh We'll know a few things more, and we'll have some. Interesting Are you proud stuff. of me? I was all, I was positive. I was all. That's the yeah. most positive you've ever been about the Snyder Cut, and yeah, See? I'm really proud. It only took like half a dozen character trailers, but we got there. <laughs> all <Yeah>. right, <laughs> the Snyder Cut. We're gonna take a real quick uh, venture into talking about Coming to America, the long-awaited sequel to Coming to America. <laughs> that never works out right when you say them. Um, but uh, it was released on Amazon Prime Video this past weekend, and Coming to America smashed every. I mean, it was the biggest debut for a sh- new streaming movie in the past year. That means it it beat Wonder Woman 1984. Wow. Like, yeah, Borat, subsequent movie film. Like, yeah, it 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 beat a lot of things so far. Um, I'm sure that won't last too long when like Godzilla versus Kong and stuff starts dropping, Snyder cut starts dropping, but it's a pretty good achievement for Amazon. And and it showed just how much I think the, of a fan base there really is still for, for this kind of movie. And, and maybe this franchise, we'll see how everybody felt about the sequel. Uh, All I'm going to say, because we're not going to go too deep on this is, I like coming to America for what it was. Uh, I People have said it's safe. It's this, that. And you're like, yeah, it was safe. I don't think there's a time to try edgy comedy. People don't tend to take it very well. So just doing a safe ode to the original was great. Uh, it was just a lot of fun. It was silly. It was kind of stupid. I loved all the cameos. There are some just so many fantastic cameos in this movie from just like character actors of today to just big iconic people who show up in this for just like random things. Uh, it, it was, it was just like a lot of fun. Um, and so like, yeah. And, and it captured, and I think they did a good, like kind of funny, but wholesome story. Mm-hmm. And that was good for, you know, Eddie Murphy's Prince Akeem. Um, but also the younger characters got to step forward and, and, you know, take center stage and were really good. And yeah, they did a really good job. I, so I just enjoyed it for what it was. It was just kind of silly, fun, and, and as a sequel, I will go back and watch again, and I Same. will watch both. And I will watch both films again as a set. Yep, yeah, I, I enjoyed it to, too. I don't have to hide this one away, like you know, like the, like, the <laughs> like Anchorman style. too. 
Yeah. No. Whoa. 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 That's not good. Stop it. Good I will movie. not let you badmouth Anchorman on this podcast. Uh, uh, I didn't say Anchorman. I said Anchorman Two. Anchorman is a classic. You in Anchorman Two is trash. Um, I will slap you in public. <laughs> um. So, uh, I but I agree. Obviously, we went on that tangent, but uh, <laughs> nothing to do with going to America. Uh, it's actually I I feel like this is the perfect uh have a movie on while i'm doing other things and you yes. like laugh here and there like moments it it's like it it does enough to catch your attention in small moments and like oh that's funny and like it gets a reaction from you but it's also you know kind of like it's it's great noise in the background like it doesn't require your full attention to get something out of it yeah, that's, a, that's an important like caveat to kind of add on there because I definitely was doing other things while I was watching it, and like yeah. you said, popping in and being like, "Oh, that's funny." Oh, whoa, that's you know, so and so. Holy! But I didn't feel like I missed anything, and like it does a good job of like catching you up, seeing the scene, of like giving you what you need to know in that exact moment to yeah. understand what's happening, as opposed to like, "Well, I missed that 15 minutes in the beginning. I have no clue what's going on." Mm-hmm. I also just really like that. Typically, in these, in in movies that you know, like bring someone else into the family, right? We've seen the, that time and time again of like, oh, hey, you didn't know these people were here. So here's a, here's the family kind of dynamic interrupted and like sides are taken and stuff like that. And you see like the, you see Jermaine Fowler um, and uh, oh my God, uh, Leslie Jones, who I adore in this movie. Uh, you find both of them like are brought into the family. You still get some of those riffs, but like they're not villainized. Like they're mm-hmm. not made to be like, oh, well, they're the enemy coming into our family. And it, there was a moment I was worried about that because there's a moment in the beginning where they where Akeem comes to see them and he's like, oh, he is your father. And I was like, are they going to pull like he's not really your father type deal? I was like, please don't right. do that. Yeah. And and but I like that, like when they get there, yeah, there's some of that split, obviously, but they're not they're just a great mom and son. They have a great mom and son relationship. They're They're just it's very authentic and very genuine and like you kind of you root for them from the very beginning even though they're the disrupting force in this family you still like them and so it i i like that they kind of avoided that of like no they're bad they're different <laughs> and then the fan the other side of the family is good uh so i dig that yeah it was nice fun yeah it was wholesome i watched it with my parents and my fiance and i will say you're totally right it, if you are just like trying to give it your full attention and sit down and like chew on it it's kind of annoying like it, it's kind of boring like you're you're just my mom got up and was like i need to like meal prep for tomorrow or something but and then she came back in and finished it out and it was totally fine um but shout outs to the costume designer because that the costumes were beautiful and the use of music was really, really nice. There were elements that were just really, really cool. And of course it would not top the first one, but it's a lovely companion. Um, yeah, Ruthie Carter is a costume designer, the uh, Oscar winning costume designer for Black Panther who did this movie too. So yeah, Gorgeous. I mean, she's really nailed the like make Africa look awesome on film it's kind gorgeous. of niche. We can yeah. all agree though that it did not touch the Original. No, no, I mean, you can't. Soul Glow, McDowell, all that stuff. You can't, <laughs> yeah. you can't touch any of that. I mean, there were just nice head nods to that. That's as much as it could do. We didn't try to top it. And it was just like, bring back some of our favorite stuff and the jokes and even down to the sexual chocolate cameo at the end. Just like, <laughs> and just all that. I mean, it, it kind of, I like that about the movie that it references, like, it knows it can't top the original. So they're just like, let's have fun. You know, let's just do riff. There are a couple things I will say. Uh, first of all, I'm loving Kiki 
Kiki Lane is doing just more and more awesome stuff. Like she was the oldest daughter, Mika, in this. She was also the main character in the Old Guard, the Netflix movie. Um, she was the one they recruited into the Old Guard. Yeah, I and she was, was trying to remember what yeah. I recognize her from. That's yeah. awesome. So, and she's also from If Beale Street Could Talk. So, it was like, yeah, she's killing it, and she's she's awesome. Um, Leslie Jones, I mean, just keeps proving she can just kill it. I mean, she was fantastic in this movie like hilarious um and uh i was gonna say one more thing but i feel like i'm now all blanking on it ah man oh and i was thinking about it last night i don't think anybody else in comedy number one has the stones to try but can actually pull it off of doing somebody of another race so well and like not at all offensively as Eddie Murphy plays that old Jewish man in coming to America. Like his character is amazing. And like as somebody who has like good. a good deal of Jewish friends, they love that character and he just does it. And I don't know anybody who can dress up as a person of a different race and make people as happy as Eddie Murphy does as a Jewish man. So, <laughs> you know, props to him. He still got it. So there you go. That's coming to America. One thing we were also going to talk about real quick was The Walking Dead. Um, it's back. All I'm going to say is Walking Dead's trash. Cancel this show. Wow. Like, wow. Walking Dead, I've been saying that for like two seasons, but this time I really mean it. Like, yeah, I, really I got hate it. for Anchorman too. Can I just... Okay. <laughs> I got hate for Anchorman Who's going to support? I mean, they've anybody... written off an entire show. <laughs> uh, okay. Our audience who's live with us right now. Does anybody oh like really super feeling these Walking Dead episodes? I don't totally think anyone wrong? could feel these episodes because they are shot during a pandemic. They were bonus episodes that were never really going to happen. You can tell that they rushed the script and the dialogue. You can tell that a lot of the lines are ad-libbed um, to the point where even the actors don't know what they're about to say, or maybe they don't remember their lines. Um, that happens several times, especially there's one moment with Carol. Um, I binged, I watched both episodes right before the pod. And I will say that the reintroduction, um, episode 17, season 10, was cool. It was, it was, it was slow, but it didn't, it didn't like frustrate me. Like I was excited about it and it still felt like my walking dead. I will say that the following episode, episode 18, if you just watch recaps of the episode, cause that's what I started with. I was actually very excited about what that episode was going to do. We got introduced to dog, which is Daryl's dog spoilers, by the way. Um, Nobody and we got like a, <laughs> we got a love, seriously, how, how many times have Walking Dead fans been like begging for Daryl to have a love interest? Like we've tried to ship him with every single castmate. So to see him actually have that was great. But then when I watched the episode, it just wasn't done well. And I hate What's to their ship that. name? What's their ship name? Oh, nobody cares it, this this was just a random woman oh. like this was somebody new and it was a flashback and I, I like flashback episodes and i like character development episodes but just it just the whole vibe just feels different and flash i flash barrel yeah i don't know if it's because they're they're throwing these in but i have hopes for season 11 and and i'm hoping that this was the lull episode of these added episodes i know but i'm a diehard walking I love fan, so i have to give it an honest shot you know all right, well, I'm going to go with the audience who's just like, move on, like, <laughs> move on, and we're going to move on. Walking Dread, Walking Dead. 
It, I mean, it's living. I mean, it, right now it is definitely living up to its title. I mean, I can tell you that. I knew that was coming. <laughs> it was still, it's still walking, and it's definitely dead. All right. Yeah. So moving right along, let's get to something we really want to spend time on, which is talking about this week's comics. So. <laughs> This week, Matt, what do we have? Take it away. Yeah, so let's start with something I feel like we will all have something to say about. Uh, so Joker number one uh, comes out. Now this spins off, picks up pretty much where the uh, Joker war ended. So, of course, like we saw, you know, Joker kind of get away, which we all lamented at the, <laughs> at the time. Uh, since then, in uh, Infinite Frontier Zero, which we also all read, uh, we saw like Arkham Asylum. There was this big explosion there and this big massacre really and a bunch of people got free so that is also important to note um and this is a solo issue that has a split into three parts it has a prologue the main story and then actually continues from when we all read that punchline one shot has the continuation of that storyline here so there's a lot that kind of goes into this one issue of like stuff to know but uh you know just as a real quick thing uh, the thing I was actually most pleasantly surprised, I will say, about is that actually this is not a typical Joker story in the fact that, like, it's really not about Joker. It's about someone, it's about Commissioner Gordon, who has the effects that the Joker and his past with him has had on him and kind of jettisoning off from there, which I actually liked because yeah. when this was first announced, I'm not going to lie, I, I've been on, and Kofi, we talked about this, I was on a little bit of Joker burnout for a minute there especially in the comics because we'd had a couple different sort of mini events and series with him and then of course like all the movie stuff that had been was it not included this way the joker is always prevalent and it was just like it was a lot for me i was kind of on burnout a little bit and Back. so you know it's it's like one of those things when they announced this i was like uh not necessarily looking forward to just a solo series but i i actually really liked this issue in the fact that it approached it from this point of view now Next issue, who knows? We go back to the Joker being the solo star and that's it. Maybe I'll feel differently. But this I dug because it was more from Gordon. But Janelle, what do you think being the yeah, Joker fan? Um, I was also kind of – I have like a stack of Joker comics that I need to be reading and I have been reading. So I, I get it. Like I was kind of like, oh, okay, all right, DC, we're going to do more Joker. I love, I love my Joker, but I was a little nervous about it. I do like that it's not so uh, heavily focused just on Joker. I am very excited about Punchline. I cannot wait to keep digging into that whole side of it. Um, and truly, there was just one slide. Do we call them slides when it's just one of the images in the entire thing? One of those like made my stomach turn. Oh, and I think I know. What you're I about. feel like that is so, so spoilers on these comics, but there yeah, is one, just one shot or one piece of art of a 17 year old girl's body laying mm -hmm. on a table and a serial killer or some scary villain eating her face. And yeah, they just fridged, that they fridged you in this episode, it, yeah, if, if there is only one little piece of art that can, have my body respond in that way. I am very impressed with that. So I can't wait to see where the story goes and I can't wait to see uh, more from this whole thing on so many different fronts, like whether it's our main character or narrator, whether it's a punchline story and of course, Joker, I'm excited. Kofi. 
I'm with you. Uh, I I wasn't interested in a new Joker series like at all. I was on Joker Burnout too because I feel like people haven't done as great with the Joker stories we've been getting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been more interesting to see like the magistrate and all that stuff that Joker kind of opened the door for. But I'm with you in the sense, Matt, that I like this issue because of how they approached it. This has been my favorite Jim Gordon has been since probably Batman year one. And it had a lot of year one vibes to it. And if you have never read like Frank Miller's Batman year one, a lot of it is told from Jim Gordon's perspective as he's just a, a, a detective trying to get into the Gotham PD and dealing with all the corruption and his partner flask. And he, and it's a lot of it's in, in kind of narrated through his internal dialogue uh, and through this kind of hard boiled noir cop thing. And this is what this was for most of it. And it was just so great because his voice just comes through so well in this from the the story that the old cop told him in the bar about, you know, the whole evil really exists. And that was a thing Janelle was talking about him. And the old cop was the guy who found the cannibal eating a 17 year old girl's face. And that scarred him forever. And like, you know, scarred me too. scarred him to the point of eventually taking his taking his own life because he could never find that guy. It was the one who got away. And mm-hmm. setting that up as a metaphor for for Jim Gordon and Joker. And it's scary in the sense that you're worried about Jim Gordon's mental health in this, like more so than anything. Mm-hmm. It's just how is this dude doing? Because as he just himself kind of breaks down, Joker's messed him up really bad. Not yeah. just as a man with, a, I mean, all the things he's done to his family, but just as a cop and the concept of fighting evil and knowing this guy is still out there constantly. And so... I'm more intrigued in what happens to Jim Gordon on this journey of being hired and spoilers. He gets hired through, through people that I think are the court of owls personally, or somebody related to that, but um, to kill Joker, he's, he's become a Joker hitman, And so I'm kind of interested to see his internal journey of having to go down and face Joker. And, and ultimately if he chooses to not kill him for some reason and mm-hmm. why will be kind of more important than any story about Batman doing that to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope they stick with this angle because I did it and his, and Jim Gordon's just great. Like his voice is mm-hmm. so good. Like when the, <laughs> he's walking down the street, he's just talking about how crazy things are and how nuts it is right now. And then this limo pulls up and a lady's just like get in a car and they like kind of threaten him to get in a car. And he's like, it's about Joker. And he's like, yeah, sounds about right. And he just gets in the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he's just like, you know, because he's just like, he's on like total FML mode. And he's just like, oh, another thing. Okay, whatever. Like, and then we get to the thing. And then when they take him to the mansion, and like, she's this lady's like monologuing to him. And he's just like, look, miss, like, I don't know what to tell you. It's weird me getting into cars with strange young women old enough to be my daughter. It's showing up at mansions for I don't know what. So just please tell me what's going on. So I can, like, <laughs> So I can start to deal with like what's happening here. Um, and so, yeah, and it was great. And I was just happy we didn't really get any kind of like Batman influence in this. And it was just about the other characters, you know, surrounding this and coming out of Joker War. So, again, everything around Joker War is the best stuff about Joker War, you know. It, mm. Right. Know yeah. I like it's one of those things where it did open up a lot of. It did deliver on, you know, opening up that side of the DC universe mm-hmm. in a in an interesting way and setting the threads for a lot of things. But. Like as an event itself, as a story in itself, I didn't love it, but I do like, it's like one of those things, right? When we talk about um, Secret Invasion and like Secret Invasion is really well liked. I, I really enjoyed Secret Invasion, but if you take to me, the event itself is actually less interesting than what came after, which was Dark Reign and Dark Reign, you needed one to set up the other. But like Dark Reign is so interesting just from a world building standpoint of like how all the characters get to kind of bounce off of that. 
and move different places. And then we also got Siege, which I adore. So like, it's one of those things right now, I will say Secret Invasion was better <laughs> than Joker where I'm not comparing the two, but I no, just no. think it's interesting going forward. I do like where we are. Um, so moving over to the Marvel side, then we of course have Children of the Atom, number one, which I, I am not gonna lie. I'm actually very excited to hear what Kofi has to think about this. <laughs> so what I will say is uh, just the general premise is like, you know, this it's this very young team. Uh, they're looked at as these kind of X-Men sidekicks because they all have either costumes or powers or whatever that kind of mimic those. And one's even called mimic. Um, and, you know, we've seen this uh, before uh, in the form of like X-Babies, which, you know, I think Jamie Lovett has a special place <laughs> for X-Babies. Um, but we've seen this kind of concept before. But here we actually get like to find out about these characters uh, from just their individual struggles and things like that with one very interesting uh, thing towards the end. So I will say spoilers here in case we get to that. Uh, and then of course, how Krakoa and the X-Men react to them because they're one of the few groups of mutants that are actually outside of Krakoa. They are not, they did not move home with everybody else. They are actually just chilling out. So Kofi, what'd you think? Okay. Um, this is an interesting thing to come because First of all, I'm going to say about the ending is Marvel is just dropping these cliffhangers that I think they think are so deep that are just confusing to people <laughs> because I had to go back and read this like three times and be like, wait, what? Like what's actually happening in the end of this comic? And I can see Janelle's face is just like, what? Is I'm, I, I'm so frustrated with that. I have no idea what happened. Yeah, and I didn't so care. I was like, you know what? Moving on, Joker. Give me Joker. I don't care. Like, I don't know what happened. And I don't care because this is a coming of age tale of teenagers. And I just do not care about them. Uh, okay, there you go. Um, I was the opposite. I think the thing that sucked me in was the intrigue of who these kids are. And they're set up in their kind of civilian life in high school together. And even just what's going on in their clique of, of, of them was the most interesting thing to me. Like, I would begin to follow these characters for, for, for many years if they become like a teen titans to the mm -hmm. X-Men. Like, because they are immediately interesting to me. Uh, even though they are all kind of ripoffs, of, and and in the fact that they're ripoffs of X Men that they kind of idolize or whatever is is interesting. Yeah, um, and just like yeah, and the Cyclops character, she's very interesting as a central character in like what's going on with her and the Cyclops love triangle. Last, you yeah, gotta Cyclops. love that name. <laughs> um, and just Cyclops last, yeah. Uh, so just her kind of romantic triangle with her best friend and this other dude and like all of that. I, I actually like that stuff and I don't like coming of age tales in comic books a lot. So yeah. this was kind of good. And I also like the X-Men's discussion about like, what do we do about them kids? Yeah. Um, but I, I have, I'm a little worried about the kind of mystery of this series and what they're kind of setting up. Cause I feel like it's already been implied that I'm, I get like the kind of underlying secret quote unquote to this is going to be that they're not really mutants mm -hmm. and mutants is some kind of, you know, social identity metaphor that they're putting on because they just feel like outsiders or whatever. Uh, I think that's the ending of the comic is they can't go through the gate is because they're not mutants and it, it's, and that's going to be kind of, what this is all about or like and, one of them isn't so it holds them all back that's what i thought was happening yeah i mean that's you know, also that's a strong too. possibility yeah. yeah yeah um and so yeah I'm, after I'm that scene interested. in the basketball court i agree with you i feel like that's where they're leaning is that 
that whole back and forth of like mutants, you know, when they had the whole discussion in there and like to tell the other dude to walk and it's like, you know, mutants are like, are, do you identify with them? They're moving, they're giving all these men, like they have that whole back and forth dialogue. I think you're right. I think that's kind of leaning towards that way. And that kind of makes me a little nervous because that makes me feel like in some ways this could be like a, a weird reaction to kind of the social movements of last year and kids and like, where do you fit into that? Are you an ally? Are you really part of this struggle? Like those kinds of things. And I don't want to see Marvel get preachy about that personally. Um, but I feel like this is where this could head. Uh, but I hope it doesn't. I hope it does do some deeper things about these kids, their identities as mutants. Where do they want to be part of this group at Kakroa and why not? And, and like what's going on there? I hope it gets to something deeper than that. But I enjoyed this issue and it, and it brought some intrigue to me. I, it's weird because I'm actually right in between you guys because I, starting out, I was not into this. Like the designs are cool. I like the designs, mm -hmm. you know, and like they're back and forth and stuff, but like they just weren't clicking with me as characters early on. Um, and then it was actually the one at the basketball court, which kind of that, that one is about midway through. And that's kind of when I started, it started winning me over Ugh. mostly, but for the stuff, not for the societal stuff for the like you know oh well i'm like that triangle part that comes in and then you find out some other things and then you see like her when they when they go to leave is when it really hit me because like you know she's talking about how difficult this is because like i'm really the only one my father has and like all that stuff when we start getting to the the people that are underneath and the real core of these people that's what's interesting to me um and then also the the conversation between the X-Men as far as like, we can't kidnap people. We can't make people come here. And they're weighing the things of, you know, what is going too far and what is just reminding them that, hey, they could come here. That stuff's interesting. I have to say, we have to set the table because a very important thing happened in this issue. And that was maggots back. Can we address? I knew awesome? you were going to be on that as soon as I saw that page. And I was like, man, it's going to be on one today. I flipped <laughs> My mind. I lost my mind. I was like, it's maggots. It's maggots. Oh, and eeny meeny too. They're in there and they have the whole conversation. That that's really the but most they important play takeaway. them. They literally play them. It's maggot, ma magma, and fairy. And they come to try to recruit these kids. And the kids are like, whatever, and kind of blow them off. And they go to Krakoa and Wolverine and them are straight up like, yeah, but we sent like the B team. Like, what if That's we true. actually sent the A team to recruit these people? Like, they may come. And it's just- They're like, not wrong. They're wow. not wrong. But didn't However, you feel like that that was such a waste of space? And the, like, then if you just, why didn't you guys just go to begin with? Like, why did they even write that part? That's Here's where I thing. was just like, for why am I like reading me. so much? <laughs> for people like me, they wrote it because- <laughs> Someone, whether it's Vita or like someone on the writing team or the art team is a fan of Maggot, like I am. And they went, no, we're getting Maggot in this book. Oh <laughs> and they did. Gosh. And they did. Because if I was writing a Marvel book, you're damn straight that Maggot <laughs> would be in almost every team. <laughs> and like I would have certain people, right? We all have. But uh, yes, I just like that he's there. So now in one of the nine X books that are coming later in the year, someone can use him now because he's been introduced. Aww. He is around. There you okay. go. Uh, so that is our main comics things. I will say there were actually a lot of uh, great books this week. So I will give a quick shout out to some of those if you are looking for other picks. Um, Spectre Inspectors number two uh, is out this week, which is kind of like if Scooby-Doo, 
adventures had like more horror teeth and like some interesting interpersonal relationships and things like that. Uh, it's got a very cartoony art style, but it's actually has some really interesting characters. It's really funny. So it's kind of like Scooby-Doo adventures on like that next tier. So if you want to check that out, uh, we also have daredevil number 28, which that whole run has been excellent. And this is not, uh, doesn't change that in any way. Electra's daredevil has been really good. And Matt Murdock's whole, thing with him being voluntarily in prison keeps going to some interesting places uh i also will say batman urban legends number one is out this week which uh has the um outsiders story that picks up from future state so that picks up here same way with grifter that also picks up here this is a collection of those stories so if you are interested in that you can check that out and then i have to give a real quick shout out on comiXology they did a, a collection of the final night which if no one's if you've not read The Final Night, it's actually just a really, I think, great classic DC story. It's one of those just like, it's like four, three or four issues and they collect them all in the one. And it also has a lot to do with Hal Jordan and Parallax and a lot of Green Lantern stuff at the end, but I won't get into that. But I will say like, it's just a really good DC story. So if you are looking cool. for something to read, you should check that out. So that's comics. All right, Matt. Thanks, buddy. Um, I don't usually get to mix my love of hip hop and hip hop culture with this show <laughs> at all. But today is a rare opportunity. Uh, this was week uh, was March 9th, the anniversary of the death of the Notorious B.I.G. And so Netflix put out that uh, Notorious B.I.G. documentary. And I started watching that and I started sharing it with friends. And it turned into a whole form of great hip hop TV kind of streaming content out there right now. So I just thought I'd share it with anybody on here who might love that stuff. Yeah. So the Notorious B.I.G. documentaries on Netflix, that's great. Uh, I'm not saying I cried. I'm saying other people cried. Um, <laughs> Hip Hop Undercover, the FX series, which is now on FX Hulu, and which is really interesting, is uh, about the real kind of people who were in the crime, the kind of crime syndicates and gangs that – like a lot of early hip hop was based off of. So the real people behind kind of the stories people told on the mic in that, and like how they helped, you know, these criminals helped build this, this genre and this industry, but then how it got messy because you know, what happens when entertainers and real criminals are in the same circle, like something's got to give on either side. Yeah. Right? And so that's what that series is about. And it's fantastic. Check that out. Uh, it'll take up some good time. And uh super villain, the making of Takashi six, nine, um, on Showtime was another docu-series that is super good. Uh, it's great because this one doesn't hype or just promote or or glorify this, this character in any kind of way. It's very interesting. And it's about the culture around him that made this possible, this weird blip in our kind of, you know, musical culture. And it's narrated by Giancarlo Esposito and framed like a superhero story of how a supervillain gets made. And, wow. showing you, and showing you the calculated movements that this person made to make himself a real life supervillain from the colors to the, you know, the gang and, to the and oh, what happens when that got real. And like Giancarlo Esposito is a great narrator. for that. I will definitely check um, that out. Yeah. So it is, and it's a, it's a pretty intense thing. And, it, and it's a great look at just like what the culture of social media, clout, fame, all that stuff is all about and, and how just gross it can really get. So interesting. Those are three things. Notorious B.I.G. Doc, Netflix, uh hip hop undercover, uh, hip hop uncovered, uh FX Hulu, and making of uh, supervillain making of Takashi Six Nines on Showtime. It's docuseries. You can check any of those out. That is hip hop. I don't ever get to talk about on the show. All Man, right. That's awesome. Oh quick thing by the way there was the Steppenwolf teaser did just release. Oh uh, 
so and what? if you go and if you go right to the end you're gonna see a little flash of green which is <gasps> what oh. oh my god it's happening everybody shut up it's happening it's happening <laughs> so oh. anyway Thank you for the uh, tip, Dustu. Oh, Thank yes, you for the tip. Green Lantern at the end there. And uh, yeah, I mean, all I got to say about my live reaction to the Steppenwolf trailer is that we were right. Steppenwolf slaps in this version. He does. Look <laughs> he looks way better. There you go. Oh, More yeah. content. <laughs> yeah, Steppenwolf slaps in Zack Snyder's Justice League, and this is going to be a good ride. All right. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. Thank you, everyone, for riding with us, as always. Thank you for all our audiences on Twitch, on Facebook, on YouTube. We love you guys for tuning in live for the show. If you came in late or just missed it, rewind any of this. We talked about WandaVision, uh, the upcoming MCU projects. Now that we've seen WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier, Jack Snyder's Justice League, it all went down in this show. It's great. If you want to talk about more content, we have Phase Zero, which will <laughs> premiere on Friday with Brandon Davis. We'll be talking about Falcon Winter Soldier, more WandaVision, more Justice League. We'll go even deeper into all that stuff. So comic book podcast universe is up and running be sure to check it out it's on all your favorite platforms apple podcast spotify stitcher radio iheart radio tell your smart home device to fire up comic book nation podcast it'll get it going for you leave us five star reviews on apple podcast we're gonna send out t-shirts we're all we're gonna get vaccinated soon baby we're gonna we're, we're on our way so we're gonna get back to that storeroom which is like a treasure trove of t-shirts all our five-star reviewers are getting t-shirts all right, that'll do it for the show. Thank you guys again for tuning in. I'm Kofi Outlaw. We are out. Comic Book Nation, peace. Deuce. Bye, guys.